Welcome to Cambo Rico, the podcast with Pedro Martinez and Rosemary Mel. off so i don't get some of that feedback in the background all right so we made it we got the first second and third podcast out and welcome to our podcast cambo rico the podcast so um we are doing great still with september the 7th by the time we're recording this probably going to come out tomorrow today's labor day this might come out tomorrow morning uh tuesday the 8th and we're in the middle of the hurricane season. September is the hottest, uh, most active month for hurricanes. But uh, so far, we're doing good. We got a couple of storms that went by. We're watching another few systems out there coming from mm-hmm. Africa. What's up with the Africans sending us <laughs> all those hurricanes, you know? I don't For some reason, they just start there. <laughs> yeah, so um, uh, we've been doing fantastic working the land, getting things done uh, around the house as usual. And we're just sharing with you some of our thoughts on different topics. That's what the podcast is all about. So uh, one of the things that we've been talking lately, and this has been ever since we moved probably in 2012, is how well or how not well the expats integrate. You know, people that come from outside of Puerto Rico, they integrate on the island it's a it's a very unique situation here because you know puerto rico is still part of the u.s and the puerto rican people is really welcoming everybody that comes in but we have also noticed through mm-hmm. folks that we know to whether it's a friend so just people that uh that we hear about or is that yeah exactly so we are um in a unique situation because you know i'm from here but you're not so you have a different perspective of i and certain things and uh, expats being one of them um one of the things that i can say is that um the locals accommodate uh they're very welcoming for the expats coming in especially those that will love to learn the language and um i guess embed with them hang with them uh, make friendships with them um i guess but I, for, for me for some reason it's just not lasting because there a lot of people are bilingual here a lot of people they understand english but mainly speak spanish so for me i was able to talk to people by in the beginning by speaking english and they spoke spanish back to me and I understood what the, our conver- I, I understood the conversation mm-hmm. based on what she knows and what I know based you know English or Spanish. And I was willing to learn and push myself to speak the language and to understand the culture and to understand idioms and 
and sayings and even you know I was very open to their ideas of how life is and um, what their viewpoints are but I've noticed a lot of people who do we'll say like emigrate here and decide to start up a life here they become very isolated and so like I guess like anybody else you you search for somebody like you so they they mainly gear and group together I guess they find each other somehow and they you know there's like main hangout spots and, just and when they, say they find each other you mean the other English uh, yeah, yeah, speakers like, or because mostly what I've seen is um, Americans are the one that typically react that way just so you know um, not everybody but a percentage of them when they come here they um, isolate themselves in the sense of they're looking for other Americans to mm -hmm. hang out with other expats because obviously uh, expats are looking out for each other um, and that seems to create a problem for some of them because they feel like they feel isolated they don't have support from the community or support from the local government especially the municipality when they need something done oh, on their yeah. property or where they need some help because you know the, the economy or a hurricane and we saw that especially after hurricane maria mm -hmm. where yeah, folks were actually um feeling left out because you know there weren't many people reaching out to them but it's because again if you don't make friends, I mean, how come people reach out to you? you know I mean, if you isolate yourself, how can you expect people to go out, you know, behind you and watch over you and yeah. protect you and so on? I guess, I guess here, like, your network is very, very important. Like, a lot of people in, in our area in Rio Grande, they seem to have grown up together. And so they're cliques that have already been here for years and even when we were coming when when i first came here we we mainly hang out with your high school friends like everybody that you know you've known for years and from there you we met their network and then you know we kind of just like expanded out until eventually we created our own network and you know that took years to do that took you know we've been here on what Eight yeah, years now. almost eight years. Yeah, eight, eight years now, years and to develop our network and a good group of friends. And and it is it is not like you have to work at it. You know, no. oh, build a network is a work to know. It's just you know meeting with people, having a beer here, there, stopping by different places. Oh, you yeah. know, drinking helps. Go <laughs> <laughs> drinking helps a lot. Go outside of your you know your street or outside of the same people you hang out with and start meeting other people. Um, Right after Maria, uh, I noticed that, again, some people were le felt left out. However, let's talk about the other side of that, because there are a big number of expat groups, especially in the Rincon area or Culebra. They're small pocket groups oh, yeah. that they look after each other. They are... Yeah, they're tight-knit. Yeah, exactly. So they are... Uh, they watch over each other. They make sure the community is well taken care of. They have reach out groups. I mean, they have nonprofits. You know, they're well mm -hmm. organized, and, and no, every group is like that. You have groups, you know, in the other areas that are other than Rincon and Culebra that are a little more sporadic. Um, I'm not sure what the reason is, but uh, they're not as organized in the sense of looking after each other when something uh, is missing, where where a tragedy yeah. comes in, whether it's a hurricane, whether it's an earthquake whatever um emergency 
um, they're not as organized as these other groups and Rincon and Culebra that tend to, mm. I guess, plan ahead, um, understand that, hey, you know, we're here by ourselves and we decided that we don't want to, you know, integrate um, fully. so fully or yeah. socially with the locals. So therefore, we have to look after each other. So um, I wonder how would that play in other places other than Puerto Rico, because if you're trying the same attitude to go, for example, South America or Southeast Asia, it's going to be very different. Well, and even, even in, in Southeast Asia, I mean, what what I've seen, I've never been to Southeast Asia. You know, I'm first generation. But what I've noticed is that when I hear the stories of um, people who have traveled and came back and told the stories, that even though your facial features and everything can be Asian or, you know, but when you talk, they automatically know you are not Asian, you know, so they don't, your attitude is everything when it comes to the Asian culture. So you're automatically known as like an outsider and they'll treat you that way. No matter how long you live there, no matter how integrated you are, they will treat you as an outsider. I mean, there's there's a thing in Japan saying like the nail that sticks out has to be hammered down, and if you can't be hammered down, you're you're always gonna stick out, and be treated that way. But Puerto Ricans here, they're very accepting, they're very open, but you also have to reach out to them. And I've noticed like if you don't reach out to them, they're they might not make the effort to be comfort or or not feel comfortable enough to reach out. Like there, there, you know, there's some instances where I, I understand like my, my speaking ability of Spanish might not be as clear, even though I can listen very well. And so not many people are more, are open enough to talk to me open, like without you around. They always look to you to kind of confirm, like, did I say it right to Rosa? Did she understand? <laughs> <laughs> so I was sitting there like, I heard what you said. <laughs> I just, I speak funny. <laughs> well, her probably understand better than me sometimes. You know? <laughs> right. So, yeah, it, it is. Uh, and it puts in perspective, you know, why is it that um, the same crowd cannot do the same thing somewhere else outside Puerto Rico, but they come to Puerto Rico and feel like, you know, I can just move in there. I don't even have to hang out with the locals. And as a local, as somebody that, that's from here, I can tell you, you know, something that attitude rubs you the wrong way because, hey, you know, you, you're welcome here, everybody. However, you know, if you want to have your own clan, you know, go back to where you came from. That's where the initial uh, oh, thought of uh, a lot of the locals, they tell me, you know, when I, when I talk to them, uh, about that, I said, hey, you know, well, why, why are they coming here if they don't even want to integrate, you know, which is a little funny, you know. Well, even in the culture of the, of the U.S., I don't, like, I would live next door to somebody for years and not even know them except for just to say hi. That's it. I don't know their family. I don't know their friends. I don't even know their, you know, their ideals. If they're pedophile or not. <laughs> No, that there's a list for that. <laughs> I'll know that for sure. <laughs> but you know, it's it's just like it's it's hard for some people to get out of that bubble that they're they're in. And when you come into a a culture that's so open, and and then the other the culture 
sees you as somebody very closed, they, they don't feel comfortable to approach you. While me and you, I mean, I'm open. I'm just like, well, fuck it. You know, if, mm-hmm. if I'm here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be part of it. If I, if I say a wrong word, I'm, I'm not going to be insulted if you correct me because that's how I learn. But except for sometimes I get pissed off when you're correcting my English. And I'm like, English is your second language and you're correcting me? <laughs> well, you know, it's just a habit. Yes, you know. <laughs> and sometimes Pedro does speak very eloquently, and I do not. <laughs> sometimes, just sometimes. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it is uh, interesting. Um, from my experience, I can tell you when uh, expats integrate into the local community, they typically become leader of the community because they come with this outside experience, very neutral experience to what the local whatever you know whether it's a system you know it has to deal with the municipality and the services with it or whether it's a nonprofit that's just doing things for a good cause you know such as the nature uh natural resources around here or maybe just putting some stuff together for somebody that has cancer uh or whether it's simply putting up small businesses and helping other people to start small businesses so there's also a, a a small percentage of those that are coming become leaders right away because they understand, you know, that uh, they come with an upper, open mind, mm-hmm. more open, I should say, where they have seen some things that the locals that probably they never travel outside of Puerto Rico haven't seen, and they mm-hmm. perhaps they don't have the education, they don't have the exposure, the experience. So it, it, it's both ways. So it's not just only one way and negative, you know, they're, they're positives too. Um, what would you say to somebody that decided that they want to move, you know, what would you recommend them to move to on, on the island? You know, what, what town? Or... I don't know, the Luquillo, <laughs> because I fell in love with Luquillo when I came here. Mm. It's a laid back atmosphere. Most of the people are bilingual and then locals also travel there for, you know, the beaches there and stuff like that. So you could meet the locals too and expand your, your community. And for some reason, their attitude in Loquillo seems to be more open to, to newcomers. So when you're just, when they don't know you at all, they're like, hey, have a beer with me here. Let me buy you a beer. Yeah, where are you from? And then they'll ask you all those, you know, initial get to know you questions. And then they're like, oh, cool, and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it's, you create a, even, even if you're there on vacation, I guess they know that a lot of vacationers go there. And so, they're good at small talk. They're good at getting to know you in a small amount of time. And they make you feel comfortable. So I liked it there. I would say Loquillo. Yeah, Loquillo is actually um, pretty good. Rincon, such as Cabo Rojo, those are more, um, I would say, California-style towns. Oh, yeah. Um, they very, um, they're very close in the sense of um, they get pulled together. Um their communities are very solid but together and they try to integrate with the local expats but i think um they have they're better because they're better organized as i said before um they have more support however they seems they seem to be two towns that are more seasonal there's no people that are full-time living a season that has vacation homes and they come around and they have a lot of airbnb so the atmosphere is slightly different uh, 
than Luquillo. Luquillo is more of a, you know, people are moving to Luquillo. They not just have property. They just decided that's their place they want to call home. That's their, that's their home. Mm -hmm. But I think Rincon is more of a, yeah, you're right, a seasonal place. Because there's like the surfing season. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people have their vacation homes there to go for the surf. Because the waves there are spectacular. And then the sunset is absolutely amazing. Yeah, definitely. Sunsets are beautiful. It's, at least for me, it's a nice place to visit. I wouldn't live there. I wouldn't live there. But um, but it's it's definitely nice. Um, Cabo Rojo the same way. It's probably like Rincon, but on a smaller scale. Um, very seasonal. Um, but that might be a good place. Uh, now, Culebra, on the other hand. Culebra is a place where they're very close together. They have one of the best communities. However, they understand that Americans moving to Culebra, they really thought about it. They really made, did the research. And if you're there, moved in, you're part of them because, okay, we have nothing else. So we have to look after each other. And, and that's what I heard. And that's what I've seen, especially after Hurricane Maria, where Culebra mm -hmm. just came back up, Americans helping to each other. They integrate super well with the locals. So yeah. um, that's one of the, probably the, best examples that we have seen is Culebra compared to Luquillo and um, Rincon and Cabo Rojo where they're they're very well organized and the municipalities they understand that these people are here and and we have to take care of them and you know we have to integrate them so it's, it's, it goes both ways not only from the Americans coming in the expats but also from the locals you know this is a very bond uh, bonded community I like that place too yeah, well, it's nice. Well, nice too, you know. Yeah, it's a very beautiful, beautiful place. Definitely. All right, so um, it is, um, there's probably many things to talk about the expat, but, but those are the things that we, we were yeah, discussing. Like yeah, it's, it's, it's basic. Yeah, just curiosities, just uh, observations that we have made, you know, through, through friends, through people, acquaintances, mm -hmm. people that we have met uh, over the years. Um, how they feel about it, also how the locals feel about it. You know, it's this uh, Puerto Rico is a unique place when it comes to expats because you know there's a percentage of the island that feels that we've been invaded. You know, the, oh yeah, that that we're not Americans or on paper because by choice. You know, it was forced mm -hmm. into us. So there's still some of that mentality of nationalism, and I think it's coming back, um, not in a very dangerous way just simply in a way that people are tired of the corruption and and they want yeah, to move after on maria there were there was a lot of strong feelings after things had happened and occurred and right i mean the, all those supplies exactly you know how how mismanaged things mm -hmm. were mm -hmm. um from the help that was already provided from the reserve reserves that really helped here for those occasions whether it was fema whether it was a uh, the local government and municipalities, all the warehouses they found, all the things that things went bad, you know, know spoiled so food and uh, so water. Were in need. Yeah, so many people were in need. So uh, Puerto Rico, the, the people of Puerto Rico are tired of yeah, it. Yeah, the trust is the trust wasn't was on like thin line, but now it's like worse. <laughs> Alrighty, so all the things that that we need to discuss is organic farming. Um, oh. Organic farming in Puerto Rico seems to have a uh, 
different connotation to that of the U.S., which is in the U.S., you know, you, yes, you eat uh, healthier, um, you don't use pesticide, you're trying to certify organically, and you go through all the hoops of getting your product certified organically that mm -hmm. therefore you can charge a little more, but you get what you pay for. I mean, you're paying the More premium price, products. you're getting the, the premium uh, product. You know? uh -huh. There's, I don't know, in the U.S. they have this, their standard. And so I think a lot of people understand those standards. But here in Puerto Rico, I've, I've experienced a couple of organic farms because I'm all about um, eating healthy and pesticide-free, GMO-free or whatever. And sustainable too. Yeah, right sustainable. Now. And so we like to support those local farms so hopefully they would, would grow and flourish because the, the, the quality of the products is like, you know, I don't know, I guess it's better for you. Maybe it's a mental thing. But, but then when you actually get the product, it's, it's very disappointing. It's like I, I eat a lot of vegetables and I make a lot of stir fries, but when you say you have a product and you have its price it's not mentioned as to how you know by pound or by bunches or what they just say for bok choy it's two dollars right? so the, the portions they don't they might say it's a bunch but how big is the bunch for example you know when you bought bok choy what was the price it was how much was it it was probably like five dollars Mm -hmm. and for a for call a bunch right a bunch of bok choy but the bok choy were baby bok choy and there was only three so three three bok choy heads little heads of bok choy and that's a snack it's not a stir fry <laughs> and i was like okay i could have spent like two more dollars i got like a bunch of bok choy like enough for my family to have a stir fry so it was it was a little disappointing, and you know the delivery. So they don't have it by pounds or anything. That they don't tell you what what you're getting until you finally get it. Mm -hmm. So, so it's, it's a, a hit or miss. Yeah, okay. it depends on. And, and and we're talking about when you are ordering and they bring those boxes. It's not like where you actually go there and pick it. You know. Yeah, yeah, that's that, right. That'll be different because if you're there and pick it, that's what you're gonna know. Oh shit, maybe I don't want to buy it here you know mm -hmm. it's way too expensive and first of all you don't even know if it's really organic well that's true but the thing is it's like okay so there's i don't know if there's a certain regulations with you know labeling your farm organic or selling or selling organic here but you have to really work the land to get quality products so if you're going to work the land to be able to sell the products I would think your efforts will go towards to making the best quality product at you know at an affordable you know rate that you can charge for a person whatever but your product is your main thing and if it's just like like maybe like my garden you know I gotta be like I gotta grow in three three bok choy <laughs> it would have would have been like the same i would have been more satisfied i guess with mm -hmm. with getting it <laughs> well the thing is um we are 
we are trying to support the local farms and we understand that yes you pay a little more premium for it but sometimes it's just way way too much i mean there's no way you're gonna pay that much money and then even if they tell you hey you know it costs this much cost ten dollars for a bunch i expect you know a bunch that you can feed the family all right nice bunch of stuff mm-hmm. you know uh, a lot of products so like i can go back and you know order more and, and get more so um I don't want to batch the those you know few farmers that are actually doing it it's just that i think there's a disconnect between the local economy the quality of product and what their business model should be as far as okay you know yes you have the premium product that you can prove to me this organic um exactly. and then then what then how much am i getting you know be clear mm-hmm. up front okay you know you have a half a pound sell it by the pound and I hate regulations by the government personally, but there might be a, a, some kind of reference, some guidelines, not regulations, but guidelines as far as, you know, if you have organic farm, sell it by pound, half a pound, or, or, or if you have a bunch, a bunch has to have certain yeah. way of in grams or pounds, whatever. whatever. So at least when you know you're buying a bunch from one guy, you know you're getting the same amount with somebody else is sending you a bunch too. So mm-hmm. a bunch of... Uh, broccoli from this guy the same size as a broccoli from this guy and then you know a little more I mean a lot of a lot of farmers here they do hydroponics and you know they they go through uh, Uh, which is I don't think it's organic by the way No, no 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 I mean hydroponics is just basically putting chemicals into water and having your plants grow super huge but they can they can have organic hydroponics by using, you know, the waste from a pond like tilapia, you know, and kind of recycle that water and you go up and, you know, it's a cycle. And my parents do that. So they do it with with different herbs because they have a a really good koi pond that filters water and we have like three layers. Well, anyway, um, but I can see that those who the, the local vegetables here, like like pumpkin and um, the different gingers, turmerics, those grow great here. And if a lot of the organic farms could focus on what grows great here rather than like bok choy is Asian. I mean, so you'd have to work with the soil. You have to do things to, to make sure that the environment is perfect for it. Right, they're, they're, they're not natives, therefore yeah. they, they need more effort into it. So, so if they focused on like organic farming for local vegetables that, that thrive here, then I think it will be more successful because there's, you know, it's, it's, it's already made for whatever vegetable you're growing. Like, um, or even unique items like the torch ginger and not many people know about the torch ginger but they use it a lot in asia and it grows here like rampant and it's the most delicious thing that you could ever eat but not many people know about it so if if you could market that and then have this unique product that grows everywhere i think it would be successful i think so and hey that might be a good business opportunity for somebody uh with the time to uh, to put into you know organic farming for exporting to Asia. I don't know what the regulations are here for exporting stuff, but you know. Well, I don't know. It's a uh, one of those things. 
Alrighty, so this is it for today. Uh, again, we're trying to keep it short. We don't want to break uh, any record for the longest uh, podcast or anything like that. Um, but um, again, uh, expats coming here um, to Puerto Rico, my advice is just integrate with the locals. You know, start meeting the locals, um, start building your network uh, because who you know will definitely determine uh, how good services you're going to get. And I think mm -hmm. we mentioned that briefly on the last podcast where um, you are going to get the help from the local municipalities if you know somebody, you know. So that will make the difference between getting a service two weeks from now versus getting somebody here tomorrow with their truck and getting things done. Um, with doctors, you know, if you have doctors you know you can wait six months for an appointment or you can just wait a week you know so yeah. it's a lot of things that in puerto rico that it depends who you know how well you're going to be provided with services how well you're going to integrate so um i will advise just uh network 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 uh get to know your neighbors get to know your community uh participate and you know nonprofits and other things mm -hmm. that are uh of the benefit of the community and um, that's it. I mean, enjoy the life and, and, and the good weather here in Puerto Rico. It's nothing better. the beaches. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, you know, organic farming. Um, I think there's a few people that we have seen that are trying to do things right and support those. Um, if you're here on the island and um, you know any farmers, especially organic farmers, sustainable farming, support mm -hmm. them share your ideas share your comments your feedback be honest you know just tell me hey you know this is a little too pricey i could understand why however if you offer me this you know negotiate you know uh -huh. because if you're going to keep buying products and and, and i'm not going to bother supporting them instead of going to the local Walmart or costco or sam's club um i think it'll be a bi-directional relationship it's not because you have a product you have to buy no 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 Let, let's negotiate you know if you are going to sell me a product and you expect me to buy constantly from you at least a monthly basis mm -hmm. um, you know let, nice work with me yeah work with me so all right guys mm -hmm. thank you so much i hope you enjoyed the podcast uh please um any comments questions um directed to us in regards to the podcast or uh, any of the subjects such as living in Puerto Rico, living off the grid, living in a shipping container, please use the comment sections below this video. Um, don't forget to subscribe if you haven't done so and hit that little bell icon so you are getting uh, notifications when we upload a video. Uh, we are shaping the podcast as we go uh, in the next, uh, I guess, dozen podcasts. So we are evolving. Um, hopefully we're getting better with the camera we're getting better with the audio um, and things will get there so if you have any feedback on that please I welcome those as well if you like the video give a thumbs up and um, until then uh, the next one I don't know when the next one's gonna be but whenever yeah whenever and before we go I'm gonna give you a shout out to Corey Man X Corey, thank you for watching our videos. Uh, we enjoy your uh, blogs and YouTube. Uh, pretty cool. Hope to meet you uh, soon. And uh, I look forward to more of those videos. I really enjoy. We'll see you. Have a good one.